Hey, this is Adam Godbolt, pastor of Faith Methodist Church. I'm so glad to have you listening to our podcast. My sermon this morning was titled, Food for the Hungry, and the text was 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1-16. through 16. We hope you enjoy. We hope the Lord uses this sermon to minister to your heart and to your mind, to the totality of your life. I invite you to turn with me this morning back to the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. This morning we're going to skip back a couple of chapters. We were in chapter 19 last week and we're going to be in chapter 17 this week. And in chapter 17 we'll read verses 1 through 16. Technical difficulties. Mechanical. In 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning at verse 1, the word of the Lord. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here. And turned eastward and hide by the book Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, that, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the book Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened while... That uh, And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please, Bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me also a morsel of bread in your hand. And so she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. See, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son so so that we may eat it and then die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, till the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Father, we pray, thanking you for your word and asking that you would minister to our hearts and our minds, that you would minister to every bit of who we are through your word. And Lord, we pray that as we prepare our hearts to feast at your table, that you 
would move among us, that you would draw us closer to your son Jesus and help us to trust him with more of who we are. Lord, we pray that you would help us to find food for our hungry souls. And we pray all this in the name of your son Jesus. Amen. Have you ever been hungry? Like really, really hungry? Starving? You thought you couldn't make it any longer? The the type of hunger that causes your stomach to hurt and then you kind of get beyond that and you get to the point of being kind of weak and delirious and, and whatnot? I've been there myself before. It doesn't look like it now. It looks like I don't miss a meal. Um, give me a break. It was Halloween just a few days ago, and I've probably eaten four pounds of candy myself since then. Um, but I think we've all been there where, where we're starving. You may not have thought that you were going to die from starvation, but you sure felt like it. You felt like you couldn't go another moment without food. I remember it was the end of uh, 2002, in uh, dead of winter, Christmas had just passed. Lindsay and I were engaged to be married. She had her wisdom teeth removed. Um, and I was there in Decatur for, for her during that. And then uh, just a couple of weeks later, maybe a week or so later, she came to Mississippi and I had my wisdom teeth removed. It was, I guess we had to have our wisdom teeth cut out before we got married. But um, we were going to be married a few months from then. And so we're going through this experience kind of together. And I remember... Um, her having her wisdom teeth removed was not that exciting of an adventure. I mean, she was a bit delirious and it was kind of funny. But when I had mine removed, things got weird. And when I say weird, I mean, they got really weird. We had some very awkward conversations. I made fun of my now mother-in-law. I, um, I, I talked about how attractive the nurses had been. I tried to drag my dad into that conversation in front of my mom and my fiance. It was really weird. I had taken, I don't know what the, the medication was, but I took one of them. I didn't take any more. It got weird. I, I demanded to watch the, uh, the Gaither vocal band, uh, on, on TV. I said, give me a DVD. I, I, I don't think I've ever even listened to one of their songs willingly. And, uh, but I was insistent. We we're going to watch the Gaither vocal band. I was laid up on the couch. All sorts of awkward things going on. But I remember hours and hours and hours pass with me not being able to have solid food. At one point, I tried to coax Lindsay into feeding me Jello. She didn't want to participate in that. And uh, so I, I don't think anybody was fighting with me, but I was probably a bit belligerent. I probably felt like everybody was fighting with me. So this goes on for hours and hours. The next day passes, and we get to the end of that day, and I'm, I'm just starving. I'm so hungry. I've not had actual food in ages. I've slept for so long. The times I've been up, I haven't been able to eat. I've still got, obviously, all the sutures and all that stuff. I don't know how all that happens, but I still had quite a bit of bleeding in my mouth and whatnot. But my mom had made this big old pot of chili, and I had to miss out on it. And that was the day that my wisdom teeth were removed. So I get up. It's late in the evening. The day after my wisdom teeth had been removed, and I, I found my way to the kitchen, and I found my way to the fridge and found a big old pot of leftover chili. So you know what I did. I got way too much. I mean, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to eat a lot of this. This is It's a soup, technically. I think I can handle this. I heated up the chili, and I gorged myself on chili. I mean, I probably ate two or three bowls of chili. Then the bad thing was I started vomiting. I ate way too much. I wasn't prepared for it. And I started throwing up, which then caused my 
wounds to reopen and lots more blood. It was the weirdest thing. That's probably the 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 most vivid memory I have in my mind of when I was starved to death and I did something really stupid to try to fix that. So the text tells us here in 1 Kings that there was a drought in the land and the drought had come by the word of Elijah in order to awaken Israel to its apostasy under its apostate kings. Its kings had led it off into uh, idolatry and all sorts of immorality. Uh, there's even a, a time when, they, when, when some of Israel's people offered their children as sacrifices to these false gods in order to try to conjure up uh, these gods who could do things for them. They have gone far away from, from their faith and their obedience uh, to, to Yahweh, the God with whom they are in covenant. And so Elijah the prophet declares that there's going to be a drought. There's not going to be any rain. There's not even going to be dew on the ground in the mornings until he says that there's going to be rain and dew on the ground. And so the effects of of Israel's apostasy are borne by all. Everyone living in Israel is suffering as a result of Israel's apostasy. Even those who are trying to remain faithful. Even Elijah himself, we read last week about how he said, I'm the only one that's left, Lord. And Yahweh tells him, no, you're not the only one that's left. There's someone who can take over your role as my prophet to the nation, and there are, there are many thousands of others who've, who have not served Baal. There's an obvious, or it's obvious that today there is a sense of spiritual drought in our land. It's, it's interesting that polls continue to show that it's something like 70 to 80% of Americans claim that they're Christian. Sadly, there's only like 10% of Americans who go to church. Now that's interesting. So, good news is, by virtue of you being here this morning, you're of the 10%, the top 10%. But there's an ob- there's, it's obvious that our culture is in the midst of a spiritual drought. People are more isolated than ever before, even though they're more connected than ever before. People have fewer friends than ever before, though they have more acquaintances than ever before. We live in bigger communities, we live in bigger houses, we have bigger yards, we have bigger boats, we drive faster cars, we've got all the things that the world has to offer, and yet people are lonely, and people are hopeless as we looked at last week, and people are hungry for something that this world cannot satisfy. The effects of this spiritual drought are, are being borne out throughout our culture. You know, hunger is common to the human experience. It's an everyday thing. Typically, at least three times a day, we get hungry enough to get up and prepare food for ourselves. Maybe in the morning you go light on breakfast, maybe a banana. Maybe just a couple of cups of coffee. Kind of get the jitters a little bit. But come lunchtime, you need food to eat. You're starving. You're really hungry. And so you prepare maybe a sandwich and some chips and pickles. Who knows what? But then come dinner time, if you haven't snacked during the afternoon, you're starving again. Some of us are kind of grazers. You know, we 
get some trail mix or, or something to tide us over, get us through the afternoon. But hunger, it's a regular part of life. It is an everyday experience. And even Jesus Himself experienced hunger. He became hungry. And it's interesting that of our sacraments, of the sacraments that the church has been given by Christ, these two sacraments of baptism and communion, one is intended for us only once in life. But the other is intended for us on a regular basis. It's intended to be enjoyed and participated in regularly. As often as you eat it, as often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. You see, you're brought into the family once. And that fulfills in us the desire to belong, the desire for community, that hunger that we have within ourselves to be a part of something, to be a part of a family, to be a part of a community, to have friends, to get beyond loneliness. But then you're fed at the family's table on a regular basis. Some churches celebrate communion once a month. Some churches celebrate communion weekly. Some churches only celebrate once or twice a year. But that celebration of the Lord's Supper, that Eucharist, the giving of thanks, it fulfills in us, or it, it, it meets in us the desire to be fed, the desire for communion, not just to belong to the community, but to be fed by the community through communion, through fellowship together. C.S. Lewis noted that for every desire that we have in life, there is an object of that desire which can meet that desire. You're hungry, you desire food, well there's food to eat. may not be in your house, may not be in your pantry, the cupboards might be bare, but there is food to eat, there's food to be had, there's something that can fulfill that desire. He said, if you find within yourself a desire that nothing in this world can meet, then perhaps you ought to conclude that there is another world for which you are made that can meet that desire. There's a deep, deep longing, a deep hunger that resides within the human soul. The early church father Augustine said in, in, his, in prayer at the beginning of his confessions, O oh God, You have made us for Yourself. And therefore, our hearts remain restless until they rest in You. Our hearts, our souls, hunger for something that this world cannot fulfill. And so they, see, they search for it. They look for that food which might fulfill in all of the wrong places. Through broken relationships. Through the stuff that this world has to offer. Through all the fun and the excitement and the rushes of adrenaline, we search for a satisfaction for that hunger, that desire that we find within us that leaves us restless. We search for it in all of the wrong places because as there was a, a band, Plum, back in the 90s, a Christian band, Plum, that said there's a God-shaped hole in all of us and a restless heart is searching. You know, typically... When you get hungry, you go where there's food, right? You're hungry, there's no food in the house, at least nothing that can quickly be thrown together. Maybe you go to Jersey Mike's. Maybe you run up to Johnny's Pizza or Peace Love Pizza, Otter's, 
I'm throwing out some of my favorites, although I haven't been to Johnny's in ages, Rick, unfortunately. Um, you go where there's food, right? You're hungry, so maybe you wander off into the kitchen. You open the pantry door, you look. Nothing seems to cry out to you, here, eat me. So maybe you go over and you take a look at what fruit is available. You check out the fridge, see what's in there. Is there anything? Maybe some chocolate milk will will fill you up. Jesus said, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And He also said, man does not live on bread alone. At another time, He said, I am the bread of life. Come to Me and never hunger. Believe in Me and never thirst. He asked His his people, are you thirsty? Well, I have living water to give you. And on the night that He was betrayed, He took bread and He told them, here is My body. Take and eat. And He grabbed the cup and He said, take and drink. This is My blood of the new covenant. He welcomes us as His family to the family table. He he greets us. He beckons us, come to the table. And at the table, we find at least four things happening. The first is the obvious, that we are welcomed. We are welcomed to the table. We are invited. We are brought in. A place is set for us. There's room. There's a chair for us at the table. There's an opportunity to come and to be a part. And coming and being a part of the meal is slightly different than actually participating in the meal. Because being welcomed is an important part of coming to the table. Recognizing that I have a place here. Recognizing that this this table has been set for me. I've been invited. And the host of the meal, the Lord Himself, welcomes me. That's an important part of what happens at the table. But something else happens. The obvious. We are fed at the table. We actually receive bread and receive from the cup. We receive a holy meal. Something to feed ourselves. Something to sustain our souls. We come to the table having been welcomed. We come to the table and at the table we are fed. But at the table... While we're there at the meal, something else happens. Typically, when groups of people get together for a meal, they do more than just eat food, right? Typically, if you're at a, at a good meal with good people, what else are you going to be doing? You're going to be talking, right? You're going to share stories. You're going to catch up. You're going to talk about how was the week? How was school today? All right. What did you do today? Nothing. I mean, you're going to be trying to participate in some conversation. Some of you are laughing. You've been there. You've either been the kid saying that or you've been the parent trying to get the answers out of the kid. What's really good is when you know what happened at school. And I always know what happens at school because I'm, you know, school's at the house. There's table talk that typically happens at a meal, at least a good meal. A good meal with good friends and good food. There's talking that takes place. 
And that's an important part of understanding what happens at the communion table. Because at the communion table, we're not just fed, we are also commissioned. The Lord brings us to the table. He welcomes us. And in welcoming us, He reminds us that He is wanting to welcome others. That as we are feasting at the table, as we are preparing to go, not yet being sent, not yet going, the Lord wants to whisper into our ears that there's room here at this table for someone else. That someone else is welcomed. That our friends, our family back home, others who aren't at the table are more than welcome to come. And so He commissions us. He commissions each one of us to go. And as we are going, to take the crumbs and to remind others that they are greeted by our Lord at the table, that they are welcomed here. That's part of the conversation that takes place between us and our Lord when we gather at the table. But then there's the obvious other thing. As we are welcomed and brought in, we are also commissioned and then sent out. We are sent from the table. Sent to go and to be salt to the earth. To go and to be light in the world. There's that that natural movement of coming and feasting and communing and going that takes place and ought to take place as we gather for worship and especially as we gather for worship at the Lord's table and feast on His meal. And so the question that's most poignant to us as we prepare for this meal and as we consider the thoughts of of how our hearts hunger for something that this world cannot satisfy. The question that we're left to ask is, do I hunger for Jesus? Do I hunger for Him? As Elijah pronounced a drought on the land, notice that the Lord is interested in what's going to become of Elijah. He says, you're going to go down to the brook and you're going to drink water from the brook, but I know you're also going to get hungry. I have commissioned ravens to come and feed you. And in the morning and in the evening, these ravens showed up with bread, interestingly, and meat. The Lord provided for Elijah's hunger. And when that time passed, He said, you're going to go and you're going to find a widow And she's going to provide food for you. But notice, the widow didn't have enough. She's without. She says, look, as as surely I swear by your Lord, the God of Israel, I've got no food. It's just me and my boy, and we've got enough for maybe one more small loaf of bread. And we're going to eat it, and we're going to enjoy it together, and then we'll pass on. We'll die together for lack of food. Elijah said, essentially, trust in the Lord. He will provide. You go and you bake that bread and make me a small cake first. 
And I swear to you, you will not run out. And all of that little bit of flour that was left in the pot and that little bit of olive oil that was left in the jar, those little bits never ran empty. Day after day, for days on end, just as Jesus was feeding the multitudes from the five little barley cakes and the two little fish, the two little sardines, this woman is able to gather oil, to gather flour, gather a little bit more water, and make cakes day after day after day. Elijah, the Lord knew, was going to get hungry and he would need food to sustain him. How do you know if you're hungry for God? What does it mean to hunger for Him? Well, hungering for Him is essentially about longing for and not just longing for, but also looking for true joy wherever you might find it. True peace wherever you might find it. And true righteousness. To hunger for the Lord means to long for those things. But not just to have kind of a a nagging itch for those things, but to long for them to the extent that you look for them. That you look for joy. You look for peace. You look for righteousness. You look for those things that come from Him. You seek for them. You search them out. It's possible to have a sensation of hunger, to not pursue it, and therefore for that sensation to go away. So the question then is, well, how do I awaken that hunger? How do I grow that sense of hunger? How do I cause it to increase? How do I say, Lord, I want to hunger more? Well, there are a few obvious things. For one thing, you get closer to the kitchen. You ever notice when you're hungry and you get around food? You start like getting really, really hungry, like exponentially hungry very quickly. I'm like getting really hungry just talking about food so much up here. I'm, um, I'm, I'm starting to, I'm, I'm really fighting off a stomach growl up here. So you get closer to the kitchen where the food is. You get around the food. You start to smell it. And you talk about food with other people, with other hungry people. You want to long for Jesus more? Go where He can be found. The church, the Scriptures, prayer, other Christian people, other people who are hungering for Him as you are, perhaps even more than you are. Get around those people. John Wesley and the early Methodists, and then, but also... The early church referred to these as the means of grace, the the normal ways that God gets His grace into your life. Get around those things. Interact with those things and your hunger for Jesus will awaken and it will grow. And notice that the widow, in the story about Elijah, the widow was willing to do anything. She was even willing to give anything. She was willing to risk all that she had on obeying the Lord. Knowing that if I use this, which might temporarily fill that hungering void in my stomach, it's all gone. 
But if I trust the Lord with it, and He's telling me that I can trust Him with it, and He's telling me that if I will trust Him with it today, that there will still be plenty tomorrow, that's, that's quite a gamble, quite a risk that she's willing to take. And my prayer for you and my prayer for, for me myself is that we will hunger for Jesus more and more to the extent that we will seek Him more actively in our lives, that we'll seek Him early and we'll seek Him often, we'll seek Him weekly and daily, that we'll seek Him with all of who we are and all of what we have, that He will become the deepest desire of our hearts, that we'll begin to recognize that we were made for Him and that we ought then to be compelled to seek Him without limit and without relent. Do you hunger for Him? There are others outside these walls that are hungry. And the Lord Jesus has food to offer. Food that can satisfy. Food that will never leave you empty. Let's pray. Father, as we come before You, we pray that You would awaken in us a desire to know You more, a desire to love You more, a desire to have more of You, Lord, we pray that You would help us to hunger and thirst for righteousness so that we might be filled. Lord, we pray that as we prepare our hearts to come before Your table, that Your Spirit would search us, that He would try us, that He would conform us to the image of Your Son, Jesus that He would fulfill in our hearts that deep longing that we have for You. To know You, to love You, to be in fellowship with You, and to be in fellowship with Your people. Lord, move among us. And Lord, as we leave from here later on today, we pray that You would help us to go in the joy and the peace and the righteousness that we encounter in Your Son, Jesus and that we feast upon at His table. And we pray all this in His name. Amen. I invite you to follow along with me in your bulletin. If you'll read the bold portions when we get to them with me. The Apostle John declared, If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. All who truly and earnestly repent of your sins are in love and charity with your neighbors and intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God and walking from henceforth in His holy ways. Let us bow and humbly confess our sins to our Heavenly Father. Almighty and ever-merciful Father, we have gone wrong and have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the ways and wants of our own hearts and we have broken Your covenant. 
we have failed to do what we ought to have done, and we have done things we ought not to have done. O Lord, have mercy on us. Spare us as we confess our faults, and restore us as we repent from our sins, according to your promises to us in your Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. For his sake, enable us to live a godly, righteous, and honorable life to the glory of your holy name. Almighty God, before whom all hearts are open, to whom all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may fully love you and may rightly honor your holy name through Christ our Lord. We do not presume to come to this, your table, O Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your abundant and wonderful mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs from under your table, but you are the faithful Lord who always gives mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Father, to by faith find nourishment for our souls in the body and blood of your dear Son, so that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with those of angels, archangels, and all of the company of heaven, forever proclaiming the glory of your name. Holy, 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 Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. The Lord, who is faithful and just, promises to forgive those who confess their sins and to purify His children from all unrighteousness. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. On the night in which He was betrayed, Christ took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and gave it to His disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for the remission of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, sanctify these gifts by your Holy Spirit to be for us, your people, the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in Him. And Father, sanctify us also so that we may faithfully receive this sacrament and may serve you in unity and constancy and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all of your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. Amen. Let us together proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Amen.
Heavenly Father, Maker and Redeemer of all things, Fountain and Giver of all that is good, of all that is true, and of all that is beautiful. We love You. We are amazed by Your incomprehensible goodness. And we marvel at Your always faithful love. Thank You for the opportunity to worship You together this morning in the redemptive name of Your Son, Jesus. Thank You for being near to us and helping us to draw near to You. Thank You for strengthening us with the grace of Your Holy Spirit and for feeding us at Your holy table. Please fill us with Your love. Strengthen us by hope. And make us unwavering in faith. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, You are always faithful. And You are always good. Lord, we pray for those of our congregation who are out this morning. We think especially of David as he travels. We pray that You would watch over him, that You would keep him safe in the air, that You would be with him and bless him this week as he works. Lord, we pray for the Ferrans and the Malones as they are away from us this morning and the Fars and the Hokinsons and the Huns. We ask that You would bless all of them. Help them to know that we miss them and love them and are praying for them. Lord, we pray that You would be with each of us. Lord, as we've gathered as Your people, as we've heard from Your Word together, as we've feasted at Your table together, as we've sung songs and as we've prayed prayers and as we've lifted our hearts and minds and voices in worship to You, we pray that You would help us and strengthen us. We pray that You would meet each need that we have. Lord, You know them. You know them all. You know each of us by name. You know each and every concern and burden and worry that we have, every dream that we dream. Lord, we bring all that to You and we trust You and we pray for Your blessing upon our lives. We lift up Miss Margie and all of the ladies on our Meals on Wheels route. We pray that You would be with them. We pray especially for Miss Margie and her, her sons and daughters, that You would be with them, that You would bind them together with, with love and pure love. Lord, we pray that You would help them and strengthen them. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself, our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, may He comfort your hearts, and establish you in every good word and good work. May we go in the blessing of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.